And we now have an opportunity to pray together for our pastor. Dear Lord, we come before you this morning to pray in particular for Pastor Steve, and we pray just not only in this moment, but for Pastor Steve throughout the week and throughout the times ahead. We pray for good health. We pray for good rest. We pray for wisdom and discernment. We pray for courage and strength. And we pray for protection from the enemy's attacks and deceits. And this morning we pray that you would give Pastor Steve clarity and give him your words, that your word and your truth may shine through in what he has to say in the message this morning. And give us ears, too, to hear it and receive it and act on it and live it. In your name we pray. Amen. Just a few moments ago, heard it, but there were baby sounds. Anyone hear baby sounds? I love babies, okay? If there's anything that I found out in having five kids is I really love the baby stage, and I'm talking before nine months. Some of it has to do with the fact that once they get older, they can run away and they can say no. But with baby stages, you get to hold them. They're so cuddly and squishy and small, and they're seeing everything for the first time. They're experiencing everything for the first time. And they like to sit, and they like to look around, and they like to look at your face and study it and, and all that. But the thing about the baby stage is it always comes to an end. Go. I don't know why. It just legitimately worked when I tested it this morning. Go to the next slide. Oh, everything comes to an end in this world for some reason. It seems like everything, unless you're homeschooling, like the Germanys, the school year, to the joy of students and parents, came to an end. And like, and like many parents think, joyfully, there will be a moment when the summer comes to an end and the kids will go back to school. You can always plan on things coming to an end, the ends of eras, the ends of seasons. We, we see the end of winter at some point when we don't get any more snow. We see the end of spring. We see the end of hot summer days. We see the end. Experience ends of eras. The, the Stone Age came to an end. The Bronze Age came to an end. The Age of Iron came to an end. We see the ends of presidencies, right? Those are things that we see perhaps more often. Even Franklin Delano Roosevelt's presidency came to an end. If you don't know, he was the only president that was elected to four terms. His fourth term, though, didn't end fulfilling two years, but it ended with a different type of an end, an end of, of life. We experience other ends as well, ends of books, ends of episodes, ends of movies, ends of our favorite TV shows, ends, ends of contracts, ends of sporting events, ends of the life of your favorite t-shirt because it started getting holes and your wife threw it out. And maybe that's just a personal experience. 
different types of endings, ends of companies, ends of traditions, even sometimes ends of relationships. We've been talking about neighboring, and there can be an end to neighboring, technically. Maybe neighbors move away, the people that you began to get to know, and then new people came in. Or, or maybe you moved away. There could be ends of neighboring as you move to a different job, or, or others come in. Ends of time where you get to know and be a neighbor to fellow students when, when they move to different school districts, or, or, or maybe new people come in. Just about everything has an end, and even this sermon series has an end. Today, it's the last day that we're going to talk about neighboring. But there's some things, I'd actually say maybe one thing in particular, that does not end. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you grab one of the Bibles down uh, underneath one of those seats, it's page 932. We're going to look at the whole chapter plus the last line of verse 31. Chapter 12, verse 31, ends this way. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I have nothing. If I, give, and I, or if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Perhaps these verses will be familiar. We can, is it here? I'll try to get this up there if you're not following along. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It, seeks, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we know prophecy in part, but when completeness comes, what in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see a reflection as in a mirror, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know in fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Paul really desires his people to embody the love that Jesus had for them. 
you know, Paul really desires the people in, in Corinth to, to follow after his model of, of, of how Paul used his entire life and his energy to embody the love that he had experienced from Jesus. And Paul's vision for love of one another goes beyond a lot of other things that were valued by the Corinthian church. Paul likes to create lists. If you've read any part of the New Testament, oftentimes you'll come up with some type of list. I think it was just a way Paul could use less words and get more content in. I don't know. But so he wrote a list before chapter 13 here. It's kind of a, a list about the gifts that the body has and also the, the representation of the body of Christ, and he uses lists of body parts. And what Paul is kind of trying to do here is, is show all the things, all the things that the Corinthians value. The Corinthian church valued certain gifts above other things. But Paul's trying to say, well, all the gifts are valuable. It doesn't matter if you only have the gifts of tongues or you have the gift of prophecy or you have the gift of giving in service. Like, we need every gift that's in the church body to function well. But even though those gifts are good, he says they're not maybe the greatest good. Because you could have all of these good gifts. You could have the gifts of speaking in languages of men and angels. You could have some sense of divine wisdom and, and being able to understand and speak prophetically about what is to come and understanding mysteries that are perhaps not well understood. You could have all, all knowledge and, and understanding, but if you don't have love accompanied with those gifts, then you really don't have anything at all. He even goes on to say, you could give away all you possess. You could be willing to suffer for another person's sake, but if you do not have love, you have nothing. And he says there's a better way to live, a way in which you're not focused on the gifts and those things where instead you're focusing on embodying the love that Christ himself has given us. I will show you a more excellent way. We can have these gifts be a part of our life. Perhaps some of us have the gifts of wisdom, the gift of being able to give, the gift of service, the willingness to sacrifice for others. Perhaps those are some of Perhaps we have the gift of speaking and teaching. Perhaps some of us have the ability to see what is coming into the future, but if we do not have love, we don't have anything. I wonder, I wonder, what are the things that we seem to value in our community, in our society today? The Christian community in Corinth, it was, it was specific gifts of the Spirit. I wonder, I wonder if there's things that our society values more. Maybe it's, 
maybe there is a value of service in serving one another, at least for the Facebook post that you get out of it. I wonder if it's the, the gift of being able to give and receive a tax break. I wonder, I wonder what are the things that society values. And I think we could look at any one of these societal values, those, that money that is able to buy things and have stuff, and you stack it up against what truly values. I wonder what happens because all of the other gifts over here pass away, and even the values and things that we have in our current society, they'll pass away. We said kingdoms come and go, ages go on and come to an end. There's a point in time where, where wealth turns into nothing, where it has no extending value for us. There's a, there's a point where, where things grow old and no longer work well. If we put our hope in the, the things and the stuff that we value in culture, perhaps then we will be left with nothing because everything comes to an end. Those gifts that were spoken of in the, the book of Corinthians, they come to an end, and in all the things of the world that we see today, they will come to an end, even ourselves included. But the only thing that remains, the only thing that really has long-lasting value and long lasting effect, even after all of the things go, is the embodiment of love that we've had towards one another. When we love someone, when we care for them deeply, when we think of them above ourselves, even after we are long gone, that love and those experiences felt by those individuals have a longer lasting effect. Then lives are not noisy gongs, but lives who are living out God's love become aspects of a symphony that goes on beyond our own lives, beyond our own combined lives. It's joining in a song that began when Paul evangelized, started varying churches living out in love, that developed through centuries into today where these believers continue to embody the love that God has for his people. And it will continue into the future and into eternity. You know, Paul even thinks about, and we, we talked about it briefly, the, the wealth. If you have all wealth and you give it all away, but don't have love, you have nothing. I wonder if Paul's getting at Jesus in Mark chapter 10, where Jesus gets asked a question by uh, someone and said, hey, you know, how do I get into heaven? And, you know, he's like, yeah, I've done all the Ten Commandments. I've done all the things. I've, I've fulfilled all the things. And Jesus said, well, go sell all you have and, and, and come follow me. 
Get rid of everything else you have. And, and so here Paul takes this passage and says, you give it all and, and you are willing to sacrifice everything to follow Jesus. Sacrificing everything means putting aside our preferences in order to care and love for others more fully. And I wonder what that looks like today in our, in our society where we desire so much what we want. What does it look like to put aside what we desire and what we value so that we may exhibit Christ's love more fully? Because it's really that love that's the cardinal Christian value. When we think about who God is, the, the book of, uh, the, the epistle of John would say God is love, Right? It's the first fruit of the Spirit that is listed in Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. Love is, is God's river that's flowing into the future. It's, it's, a, it's a love that goes across borders, across centuries, or across backgrounds. It's a, a river that, that, that does not include pride or jostling for positions. Love is a river that does not have contention among people. And, and we're, we're asked to step into this mindset of self-sacrificial love, of, of putting aside those things that were valued by the Corinthian church, or valued by our, our current society and live out God's love and, and follow where God is taking us in that love. Love, it's, it's one of the perhaps two main attributes that we think of who God is. Perhaps we think about love and justice being those. But even, I would say that Love would even be more prominent than justice. Because of those two attributes, God's love and his desire for justice, it was through love the most excellent way that Jesus triumphed. It was through God's immense love and mercy that we would not end up standing in his judgment. It was because of his love and mercy that any one of us could ever have been saved. And I think it's because of that that Paul can say love never fails. God's love never fails to, to set about accomplishing what he desires, which is people come to know him, come to know his love personified through Jesus Christ. Love. The centerpiece of our lives in the way we live. The centerpiece of Christianity in any age, in any culture. Love. The centerpiece, centerpiece of Christian community. Love of God and love of neighbor. I think there's a couple ways we can reflect on this word love. N.T. Wright 
uh, had three questions he included in his commentary regarding this passage. And it can be a practice that invites us into thinking about love in our life and love in Scripture. Well, I forgot some slides here. We'll get there. One more. This isn't working. Here we go. One. This first question invites us to to think about Scripture, to, to dive into Scripture and see how Christ's lived. How have we witnessed Jesus live out God's love? How do we we see the embodiment that Christ had of living out God's love? A self-sacrificial that honored others above himself, that was willing to, to take on sacrifice and hardship so that others would experience love? A love of Jesus that was willing to take Shame and and people talking about him like the Pharisees, people questioning his actions so that God's love would be made more apparent. Have we witnessed Jesus live out God's love? And then, maybe more reflective, what are the ways in which we see God's love reflected in our life? if we look at who Jesus is and how he lived, where are we a mirror of who Christ was to others? Or maybe where are the areas where we don't see God's love in our lives? Those areas that we've held back of loving others reflecting back on our life. And, and we don't do these things to, to, to find a moral superior ground. Look how great I love. Uh, was it Ben that said I love everybody? But we also don't do the opposite thing, which is to beat ourselves up. Instead, we, we go through practices of recognizing who Jesus was and how he loved and who we are and how we are displaying love so that we can do another thing. To recognize in what ways do we need to put God's love into practice if we say we're truly living it out helps us to think about those areas where we've kept love back from individuals and and how then can we move forward in this world reflecting God's love in those situations where we find discomfort, where we feel uncomfortable. Where are those areas where we need to ask for God's grace and his empowerment by the Spirit to bring his love into places that we have yet to do so? Desiring that his care, his mercy, his grace, and his love would extend to the far reaches of every aspect and every place of our life. Representing God's love more fully. I wonder, I wonder what are those places in our life. I don't know how many of you get excited about 
uh, the Christian Reformed Church Synod. Have, have any, any of you know what it means? Oh, so Synod is a, the annual gathering that hasn't happened for the last two years, but the annual gathering of our denomination, uh, of, our, of our church to get together and to, to work through varying interpretations perhaps and different things that would come up upon an agenda. Several years ago, I think it was now five or six, um, there was a question about, well, or actually it was a report about the LGBTQ plus community. And so they started another study group to think about that. And what made me think about this particular report was question number two. What are the ways in which we see God's love reflected in our lives? Or maybe, where are the areas we don't see God's love in our life? We can put that question back up. It made me think about this denominational report because of this particular quote within the report. It says, meanwhile, the wilder, wild, wider community has sinned against the few out of fear, discomfort, or self-righteousness. We have grossly mistreated persons among us who identify as gay, lesbian, or transgender with mockery, derision, or harsh denunciation. These attitudes and these actions have driven many brothers and sisters out of the church. Much like the culture around us, the church has alternated between derision and condemnation towards these believers, making it impossible for those who are same-sex attracted or experience gender dysphoria to learn how to follow Jesus while openly sharing their struggles. This is just one example of perhaps how a Christian community who we're supposed to personify who what God's love is like have struggled. I wonder if there's other areas too, recognizing areas of those who have been maligned by culture, those who have been perhaps downtrodden, that we somehow cease to give love because we think their actions somehow put them in those spots. I wonder what comes in our mind in other ways when we drive through the streets of Grand Rapids and we see signs about places looking for workers and yet we see people on the corner. Do our minds and our thoughts go to, I wonder how I can love that person, how I can care for their needs, I wonder what their story is, or do our minds head into a different direction that, well, they could just walk over that job. Where is it in our lives that we struggle to embody the love that Christ has given us? 
a love that seeks out learning of their stories, of the experiences that people have gone through to put them in the positions they are, to be open and honest and willing to listen to people who we disagree with politically, to be open and willing to listen to experiences that are completely different than our own, We're invited to reflect on these things before they even happen. Before we go out our door and encounter someone with a rainbow flag next to us, we can think about how God's love would be personified in that relationship. Before we see the sign that's the political party that we don't agree with, we can can think about how God's love would be personified in that relationship. The most excellent way that we would love one another. Here's the thing, those lives of the people that we meet, our own lives, those interactions will end. Your neighbor may move, you may move, you may move to a different job, some other people might come in, relationships may end, but the experiences of those people won't. If we as God's believers, those people who have been chosen by him to embody his care to others, have chosen to disregard others, that will continue. Just this week, I was uh, talking with a friend who's a pastor in Canada, and and he was uh, he's a pastor on a college campus, and he was at this campus, and he went to a uh, I don't remember the name of the organization, but it was surely not Christian. It was probably more atheist, and and it was one of their testimony times that they were having at a pub, and and this young man shared a story. He shared a story about the church and people in the church that hurt him, people that, that didn't embody the love and how he had found enlightenment by leaving the church. Well, four years later, my friend ended up getting a random email from the same person. The same person didn't didn't, didn't recognize who he was, actually, by the email, and, and began having a conversation. And my friend certainly remembered his story, but there was points in time where this individual, this young man, found those who truly embodied God's love in his life and brought him back on a path of exploring Christianity, desiring to see what true faith lived out really looks like changing the stories that were of the church hurting to the church loving. The church loving. The most excellent way. The most excellent way will always and continue to bear witness to who Christ is. To who God is. A loving God reaching out to us showing us a different way, showing us the the way forward through compassion 
and mercy. Let us pray that we can reflect in our own life and live out God's love each and every hour in every relationship that we have. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you've shown us the most excellent way. That though everything in this world will will pass away, your love won't. We thank you that your love reached into our lives through Jesus Christ. That while we were still sinners, that you died for us, that we could have a relationship with you and be called your child. Lord, we pray that we would be able to reflect well via your Holy Spirit's empowerment, not to flex moral superiority, but but to recognize truly where we have fallen short. And we pray that you would give us guidance to live out your love more fully and more graciously. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing in response.